Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Brian Finkelstein. He is the CEO of Broad Financial LLC based in Rockland County, New York. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks a lot, Jordan. Good to be here. Let's just start with your background a little bit and uh, your experience in the financial markets and then uh, what what got you to create Broad Financial. Sure. Well, most of my career was spent as a bond trader. Um, I worked on Wall Street for about 25 years um, and you know, trading primarily fairly liquid products, government, um, government bonds, derivatives, money markets, and what have you. Uh, that was basically you know, my background. And I think it was through that background that you know, I'm certainly not one to knock Wall Street products. I think they're, they're great. Many of those products certainly have a tremendous function for lots of people. But what became very clear to me that in, in terms of individual portfolio management, I just a lot of people, I, I think, felt that incorrectly, that if they just had a, a nice mix of stocks and bonds or mutual funds, that, that was a truly diversified portfolio. And there were just many asset classes, you know, whether it was real estate or you know, times precious metals, even certain private placements or what have you, that could really be used to further diversify a portfolio. And that was kind of that's how the seeds were kind of planted for the idea of creating a platform first for self-direction. So tell us a little bit about the, the need for self-directed uh, IRAs. Sure, and just you know, also by way of just you know to, to illustrate with the story, it may just be a little clearer. Uh, one of my two partners, um, what piqued his interest was his background was primarily in real estate, and his parents had a small business and some retirement funds that were um, derived from that business, and his mother had been responsible for for you know those investments. When she had passed away, his father had asked him to take over and basically manage those those assets. And he had known of a small rental, a rental property that he was interested in buying with those assets. And he was told by the brokerage house that you're not allowed to do that. Basically, he it piqued his interest. And after doing some research, he realized that the reason that he was told you cannot do that has nothing to do with the IRS. It's all because of the particular brokerage house, um, which wants to keep those funds in-house. Um, so that also was kind of those, while well, I was kind of going through my uh, desire to broaden, you know, what was available for individuals. You know, one of my two partners went through a similar type of situation that really started pointing to him the need for, for having this platform. So explain the difference between a self-directed IRA and the traditional IRA that people might be used to at a mutual fund or a brokerage sure. firm or a bank, something like that. Sure. Your traditional IRA would be, you know, you go to a local uh, brokerage house um, where, you know, again, you're going to set up a, a, an account. Uh, typically, the, um, the suite of products will be your various, you know, equities, fixed income type investments, and then mutual funds that cover, you know, the gamut of, uh, of equities and fixed income. Um, in certain situations, you may be able, able to use those funds to purchase a CD, but that's kind of the, the limit of it. Um, and again, the money is kept within the, the broader world of that brokerage house. So again, you're going to be limited to only purchasing those products that they enable you to purchase. With the self-directed platform, um, essentially you can go and purchase and, and invest in anything that the IRS permits. So again, if you want to be, buy a piece of real estate, um, you can do so under certain conditions. Uh, you can't buy a property that you're going to live in, but you can certainly buy a property and rent it out. Um, you can make a personal loan. 
Uh, you know, again, you can invi- in, invest in various private placements or, or invest in physical precious metals, physical gold, or, or what have you. So it just it broadens the uh, the mix that you can be involved in with your retirement funds. If this is such a profitable business, why don't the traditional brokerage firms, mutual funds, banks want to offer self-directed IRA accounts like this? Okay. Well, first of all, you're making an assumption, Jordan, that it's a profitable business <laughs> for the providers. It's, yes. It, it's, a, it's a wonderful business for the investors. The reason why I believe that the large brokerage houses don't want to get involved is that it is a tremendously manually intensive uh, business to be involved in. If you invest and you just want to buy a mutual fund, it's literally, it, it's a question of, of, of data entry. It, it, it's just to buy a stock, to buy a mutual fund. Um, they have the infrastructure. It's extremely, extremely simple. Once you're t- starting, you know, discussing things that aren't as liquid, that aren't traded on an exchange or what have you, you know, buying a real, buying the piece of real estate and all that goes with it, you know, there could be uh, payments to contractors. There, there are going to be rent payments that come in and various expenses that go out. A lot of paperwork that could be involved in real estate type of structure, what have you. Um, you know, I think just a lot of the brokerage houses don't want to get involved in that kind of intensive uh, manual effort. And, you know, they have a great thing going. And again, I'm not knocking what they're doing. You know, what they do is, is an important uh, it is very important for people's you know, overall retirement portfolios, but to go beyond that and get involved in things like real estate or private placements, where, again, the, level, the, the amount of paperwork is greater, um, not to mention the fact that the fees that they're earning, that they're earning are not, you know, that, you know, for the various products that they're sponsoring, that's going to be compromised. Um, it just doesn't seem to be something that they're very interested in. Give me a sense of the overall marketplace of IRAs. What percentage would be traditional and what percent are self-directed, just roughly? Great question. The, the number that the industry throws around is about 2%. My gut feeling is that it's probably a number even slightly below that. Wow, so it's pretty small. And, and I would even take it a step further, forgetting about the, the at most 2% of people that take advantage of the ability to, self, um, to self-direct to their retirement funds. If someone were to ask me what percentage of even fairly savvy investors that are even aware of the concept of self-direction, it would be a number below 50%. Hmm. So who is self-direction a good fit for? That if it's only 2% at max, they're actually doing it. You're saying it's actually appropriate for a lot more than 2% of it, the people out there. It's appropriate for, for a lot more. I mean, it's for anyone that, you know, A, like I said, wants to have a, a greater level of diversification, um, it enables a person to do that. For a person that has their own ideas and they want to dedicate a portion of their portfolio for their own ideas, and those ideas can run the gamut from a local property that they think has good value. It could be a business that they think has good, a good value. Or in general, areas of, of commerce that they just feel they have, and maybe an area that they themselves have had experience in. And they think that they have, you know, just some insight in, ter- in, in terms of, you know, how to invest in that particular area as opposed to just turning all of their funds over to, to professional managers that are going to be doing only certain uh, very narrow things with their money. You're saying it's, it's kind of proactive individuals who kind of want to take charge as opposed to just giving, taking the advice that they're given and basically doing that. Is that That's right? That's correct. That's correct. You're dealing with people who are typically going to be more, more proactive. That's correct. And also the people who know certain assets separate from traditional stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, and so on. I mean, do you need a high level of expertise well, to be able to do I, these kind of things? Well, I'd say there's two. There's there are definitely two elements that are important. One, are, you know, is the amount that a person has within their retirement 
account. I mean, if a person has a very, very small amount, you know, they're just starting out and they put away, you know, $5,000, to suggest to that person that they should dedicate or set up a self-directed platform, we would never do that. It just doesn't make sense. You know, get started, uh, deal with, you know, invest with the more traditional types of investments. Hopefully your account's going to grow. You're going to be able to contribute more to it. Um, hopefully the account grows organically, and then we can start talking. So number one, it has to be a person that at least has a reasonable amount of assets that they can really take a percentage of it and make it make a meaningful investment. And what would that be? What would the minimum amount of assets be that makes sense to do this? Generally, the, per- the people that we speak to have $20,000 or more. Okay, that's not that much, actually. Uh, no, it, it isn't. It isn't. But it's, it's generally $20,000 or more. And then, you know, then the second area, which is what you were just referring to, which is your, your, your level of expertise. You know, don't get involved in things just for the purpose of diversification if there are areas that you really, really don't have any experience in, um, if you're doing it, you know, on your own. The nice thing about this is that it also opens up doors, as I mentioned, for things like private placements. So there are groups that are out there that are very reputable, that know what they're doing, that may invest in real estate types of, uh, of projects, which, again, those are investments that you typically would not be able to get inv- involved in you know, in a traditional IRA, where with a self-directed IRA you would be. Now, for a private placement, typically they're for accredited investors, is that right? meaning you have a million dollars in assets excluding the value of your home. Is that correct? Exactly. Well, so it depends how they're structured. The ones that are structured as hedge funds, that's correct. They're a person would have to be an accredited investor, which is, as you mentioned, either a thousand uh, million dollars net worth excluding your primary residence, an individual um, income of $200,000 a year, or a joint income of $300,000 a year. But at times, it could also be investments where people will, it's not managed through a fund. There can actually be individual you know, investments in a particular small property or something like that, where there just may be a finder's fee or something along those lines, where you're not actually investing in a fund which requires uh, to be an accredited investor. So in a case like that, you don't have a full prospectus and the offering memorandum. It would just be kind of a private deal. That, that's correct. And, and again, you know, we're not, we'd never advise a person to get involved in deals like that, but for those people who may have individuals that they know and they trust to have a solid track record, it would open the door to be able to, to be involved in some of those investments. And then you can also use this uh, self-directed IRA to help a friend start up a company and get private equity in that company? Is that the, how would that work? Absolutely. You could do that as well. You know, you, you could make a loan or you could actually make an equity investment. Um, again, I just want to point out there are, there are certain rules that apply across the board about when it comes to prohibited transactions. You know, the same way that you would, with, let's say, a piece of real estate, um, you wouldn't be able to buy a property. Not only could you not live in, in it, but a parent or a child would be precluded from renting that property or, or what have you. The same thing would apply with a private business. You know, if it's a friend and you want to make that friend, you know, a loan, you know, because they're starting a new business or make a, an equity investment, that's fine. But, you know, if it's not a friend, um, you know, if it's a child or if it's a parent, uh, that would be, you would be precluded from doing that. Is this is supposed to be an uh, arm's length transaction? Is that what I mean? It has to be it's as though you would give the same deal to anybody, even if they weren't a relative. That's correct. That's correct. But, but again, even at arm's length, there's certain things with those relatives you would not be able to do. So even though it's completely arm's length, uh, you know, you would not be able to buy a property and rent it to your child, even though they're paying, you're paying you full market rent. So, for example, uh, you have a kid going to college, and a lot of people buy real estate in the college town for four years to rent it out to their kid. Could you couldn't do that. that. You could not that do would, that inside an IRA. That's, that would be precluded. You cannot do that, true. And how about franchises? Uh, can you buy a franchise inside a self-directed IRA? 
You can. The only thing with, with dealing with a franchise is that there is something called the UDFI tax, um, and, and there's something called the UBIT tax. And basically, the, the way it works is that, you know, UBIT standing for unrelated business income tax. What the IRS essentially says is that if you have two people that own dry cleaners, and one person bought it in a traditional way, and the other person bought it through a self-directed IRA, it would be competitively unfair to the traditional investor, because obviously the person who's not paying taxes on it uh, would have a tremendous pricing advantage. Um, so to kind of level the playing field, what the IRS says is that if you're buying an actual and active business, um, once you earn more than $1,000 from that active business, you're subject to what's called a UBIT tax. Um, now, I will tell you, everyone has to check with their own accountant, their own tax advisor in terms of it makes sense. But we have... there. You could probably, you have thousands of clients in all 50 states. You could probably count on one hand uh, the amount of times where a person wanted to get involved in a business and decided not to because of the UBIT tax. Yeah. This also applies to master limited partnerships as well, though, right? Correct. So that's something that would be quite common. A lot of people would have MLPs and not realize that they have to pay the UBIT tax when they're inside an IRA. If, if they're active business, that's correct. The other thing I mentioned, the UDFI tax, um, and that would be essentially where a person is using leverage to buy, to buy real estate. So if a person is going to buy real estate with and utilizing leverage, the portion of the profits, assuming there are profits that are generated from the leveraged portion, would also be subject to what's called the UDFI tax. Indeed. Okay. All right. We're going to get into this in more detail. Uh, my guest this, uh, this hour is uh, Brian Finkelstein. Uh, he is the CEO of Broad Financial, uh, which is based in Rockland County, New York. And we're learning all about self-directed IRAs. We'll be back after this. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. It's a sad fact that fraud is rampant in today's business environment. The headlines scream about once prestigious organizations falling victim to or crumbling due to the consequences of fraud. How do you keep fraud from affecting you and your business? Tune in to Fraud Talk with host Chris Marquet. Chris has over 30 years of fraud investigation experience, business intelligence, and is a renowned security consultant. Chris and his guests will inform you and help keep you from being the next statistic of fraud. Tune in Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Listen for exclusive clips from Oprah's upcoming Super Soul Sunday series on Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Then be sure to watch Oprah's Super Soul Sunday on OWN Network TV at 11 a.m., 10 Central, every Sunday. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Brian Finkelstein. He's the CEO at uh, Broad Financial, uh, which is a uh, company doing self-directed IRAs uh, in Spring Valley, uh, New York, in Rockland County. Welcome back to the show, Brian. Thank you. So uh, tell me which retirement accounts can be used in self-directed IRAs. Virtually any retirement plan can be rolled into a self-directed IRA, naturally an IRA, a Roth IRA, a 401k, a set, virtually anything. And are there different rules related to all of them as to how much you can contribute to them and uh, other kinds of rules related to that? Well, basically, the amount that you can contribute to, to a traditional IRA is, is exactly the same as, as a self-directed. Um, typically, you know, the people who, who do um, utilize a self-directed IRA are people who are rolling over funds, people that have accumulated funds, you know, at a, at, uh, at a 401k in their place of, you know, whatever company they've been working for for years, um, or people who, you know, for, for whatever reason have accumulated a fair amount of, of retirement funds um, will tend to, uh, are typically the people who we, who, who we see more often than not, as opposed to the people who are first just starting out saving and, and, and creating a brand new IRA. So the contribution limits have changed for 2015. Tell me what the contribution limits are for these different kinds of IRAs now. Well, basically, the the um, I, I just want to go back one second and, and just mm-hmm. you know, mention one thing about the. Um, I think we're going to get to it later, but you know, in terms of the in terms of the rollover, um, the. What has to what people have to realize is that very very often you know I only mention this because uh, we get calls all the time people who are gainfully employed um, and they assume that because they have a 401k they've had for many years in their their areas of business that they can necessarily just move that over. Sometimes that's the case. Sometimes that's not. So I would just would advise everybody that's listening who's considering moving something you know their their current accounts um, over into a, a self directed IRA. Uh, to just keep in mind that you know you have to make sure with your employer whether in fact you know they they can transfer. When would you not be able to do that? Is based on the employer's rules? It's basically on the every employer is going to have is going to have it set up differently. Okay, I mean, but this is typically you're taking it out after you've left that employer, right? So it's in the well, uh, it, custodian it, it, after uh, you left, and it, it's certainly you know there's, there's no there's no question. But you know, if if a person is still gainfully employed and they want to move it while they're they're employed, they just have to make sure they check with their employer before they set up anything. So in order to do that, does the employer have to offer a self-directed option? No, no, they don't. They don't. So does you can move your money while you're still working at a company. I, I thought in general you have to wait until you leave the company to be able to move a 401k. No, we, we have actually found fairly large companies that were quite liberal in terms of enabling employees to move the money out of their that infrastructure. I see. Okay. So tell us again about the contribution limits and how those so, have changed so the, this the year. The regular limit for an IRA is $5,500, and you know, which, which again is not really much. You know, so for, as I mentioned, for those that are just starting out and making their their just their starting contribution. Um, you know, it, it's really not going to make sense for them to, to start with a self-directed platform. You know, wait until they, they've accumulated a bit more. The, the product, where which, which I guess we'll speak about later, which is a solo 401k, is an entirely different story. There would even be relevant to a person who's just starting out uh, saving. Okay, so w- just so I'm clear, though, what have the contribution limits changed for well, regular they, IRAs, Roth IRAs, and so on in 2015? Well, the really on the IRA side, it's been the same. It's just the annual contribution is still fifty five hundred. 
Okay. So, so nothing has changed for 2015 nothing, then? No, nothing's changed for 2015 on the IRA uh, side. I see. Okay. So what are some of the different kinds of self-directed IRAs uh, that are out there? Well, you know, the, people will brand them differently. You know, some people will, you know, will brand it as a, let's say, a real estate self-directed IRA or a precious metal self, self-directed IRA. And it's really more for marketing purposes. They're trying to attract a certain clientele. But the reality is the platform is the same. There's no difference in the platform um, of a self-directed IRA across any of those asset classes. Um, but the main difference, though, is, you know, in terms of the ability to self-direct is whether a person just wants, wants to use a traditional custodial self-direction model, which I'll explain in a minute, or a ch- checkbook control model. And I'll just say before I even describe what they are, we're one of the very few vendors who actually uh, provides both. Um, in a traditional custodial model, one thing to keep in mind is that every IRA requires a custodian. Um, they generate the form 5498 and what have you. But there's got to be a custodian, typically either a brokerage house, a bank, or a trust company, um, which acts as a custodian for that IRA. If a person's not going to be active, um, if their investment profile is not one of, of, of really of, of a lot of activity, they just plan on making an individual investment, maybe two investments, and they're really going to be sitting with it for a while. Then very often just the traditional um, self-directed IRA where the, the funds are turned over to the custodian, uh, again, the trust company or what have you, and then the investment is made through them, and they maintain all the record-keeping and what have you. Um, that's one model, and that's the traditional model. Then there's a bit more of a progressive model, which is appropriate for people who are going to be more active, and that's called the checkbook control model. And that model, we create a plan for, for the individual. And we create an LLC, which becomes the investment vehicle for that plan. So that LLC now becomes your investment, and that LLC is, is, is restricted to only make those investments that the IRS permits you to make. That now gives you the opportunity to go, go to a local bank, set up a checking account for that LLC, and now essentially you can make the investments um, directly out of that account. You're still going to need a custodian um, for, for record keep, for, for, for reporting at the end of the year. But it's a lot more robust for those people. You know, if a person's going to be actively man- buying and managing real estate, for example, where you're going to be making, cutting lots of checks and a lot of, uh, there's just going to be a lot of activity in the account, then a checkbook control you know, model is ideal. As opposed to, like I said, a more of a, a passive investor where the traditional model, you know, is. Um, would be more appropriate. As I mentioned, when we had first started, we just provided plans and we used a third-party trust company. Um, what we found was, you know, we put a tremendous emphasis on customer support. And while the trust company did as well, it wasn't quite at the same level. So it was about two and a half years ago that we made the decision to start a trust company, which is now up and running. It's Madison Trust. So we can essentially accommodate, you know, no matter what type of model interests a person, we can accommodate. So, uh, uh, is there an electronic uh, link between your bank where that LLC bank account is set up and the self-directed IRA so you can put money back and forth easily? Well, in, when, when the person's in, in the case of the, the individual bank, there's no link. Um, you know, the, the person basically is managing it on, on, on their own, and they're just providing at the end of the year all of the data um, to the trust company. So there's no, there's no link, as opposed to when they use the trust company, um, you know, there we have linkage with the bank in order to provide everyone with FDIC insurance on their cash balances and what have you. But in the self-directed link the model, there is no link. What are the costs to investors of setting up a self-directed IRA account using so this it, checkbook control model? 
Right. So in the checkbook control, depending on the state that they're in, you know, because I mentioned that there is an LLC which is utilized, um, unfortunately, there are a handful of states where just the cost of setting up an LLC is rather, is rather high. But typically, the cost is anywhere from thirteen to $1,600 um, to set it up. And then, and, and there's really, there's no increases, there are no changes based on whether, you know, no matter how active they are, there are no transaction-based costs, there are no asset-based costs, then there would just be a $180 fee for the maintenance and for, the, for, the, for basically paying for the custodian. If they don't need the checkbook control model, then it's a lot cheaper. Uh, then they're going to be paying about $100, which includes their first investment, and then it's the $180, um, the $180 annual, annual fee that's due. But with an LLC, you're going to have to file a tax return every year. It's a more complicated thing you have to maintain. Well, that, the benefit of the checkbook control models LLC is that being that it's a single-member LLC, there is no additional, um, there's no additional tax reporting that's there, which just wraps into the person's individual account. Um, the, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that about tax, re- tax reporting. That's why we usually suggest to some people that they'll ask, um, can we just set up two, let's say a husband and wife, can we set up two um, and essentially share the LLC? And that's one of the reasons we'll always advise them not to because then, in fact, once it's no longer an individual, uh, a single-member LLC, there would be an additional tax return that's due. So uh, an IRA is set up for an individual. So you'd have to have an individual LLC and if you wanted to do a husband-wife, two separate ones and two separate individual IRA accounts, right? That, that's right. Again, technically speaking, the IRAs could be distinct, but the LLCs that they invest in could be one and have a dual-member LLC. That is theoretically possible, but it just really wouldn't make sense because, you know, for number one, and the biggest reason would be the tax reporting. The reason for the LLC in the first place is asset protection, is that right? No, well, you d- that it accomplishes that, but the main reason for the LLC is that this way, you've, you've, essentially we've, we've created a vehicle which the IRS can look at and say, based on the operating agreement of that vehicle, it passes muster with them. So that, it, it, it just basically, you know, you've created a, um, an IRA-approved vehicle, if you will. And that's really what the LLC, you know, accomplishes, as well as what you mentioned. In addition to that, there is the, the added benefit of, uh, of an additional layer, the extra, extra protection that the individuals will receive. So I assume people can find out more about this at the website broadfinancial.com. Tell me a little bit more about what they can see if they go to that website. Oh, it's very robust. I mean, the, the, the amount of educational materials that are on the website, um, it, it's quite thorough. And I will tell you, we have extremely, extremely well-versed specialists that understand the, all the nuances of self-directed uh, investing. If I may say so, for the most part, they're a lot more knowledgeable than I am and you know, extremely, extremely patient as well. So there are other players in this self-directed IRA field uh, as custodians. How is what you do different from the other players there? Good question. Well, number one, as I mentioned, what does make us quite unique is the fact that we offer both. We have the custodial model, we have the checkbook control model, and sometimes a person will start with one and then they'll realize that they really would be better off. Um, their investment profile may change and some, some people may want to get move from the custodial model to the checkbook control model and we'll certainly work with them. I will bend over backwards to accommodate them. But the other thing is that as a newer trust company, our systems are new, they're state-of-the-art, the people are newly trained, full of passion, full of enthusiasm. Um, and I think there's just a lot of benefits you know, to that as opposed to sometimes, especially in the world of, of trust companies, things can get a little boring after a while. And sometimes you don't get the same level of customer support with people that have just been doing the same function year after year. 
So you bring a fresh perspective to the whole thing. There's definitely a fresh perspective, no question about it. Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Brian Finkelstein. He's the CEO at Broad Financial, uh, which is based in Spring Valley, New York, which is Rockland County. And he's talking about all about self-directed IRAs and 401ks. When we come back, we're going to talk about what a solo 401k is and how that might work. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Listen for exclusive clips from Oprah's upcoming Super Soul Sunday series on Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Then be sure to watch Oprah's Super Soul Sunday on OWN Network TV at 11 a.m., 10 Central, every Sunday. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Brian Finkelstein. He's the CEO at Broad Financial, which is based in Spring Valley, which is Rockland County, New York. He's an expert on the whole subject of self-directed IRAs. Welcome back to the show, Brian. Thank you. So there's a relatively new item, which is called the Solo 401k. Most people think of a 401k as something they're going to be able to get at a big company, but you can do it if you're a solo entrepreneur. Explain how that works and how that's different from uh, a traditional IRA. Sure, would love to. Basically, with the solo 401k, it's first to start about and to talk about eligibility. If a person has self um, self employment income um, without having full time employees, uh, which the IRS um, defines as anyone that that works less than more than a thousand hours a year, uh, they're eligible for a solo 401k. And you know, we were talking before about you know the difficulty in the IRA world unless a person has a substantial amount to roll over to really start because you're really starting with with a fifty five hundred dollar contribution. Um, in the world of solo 401ks, the numbers grow uh, just exponentially. 
Um, so for 2015, for example, you know, the total amount that, be, that could be contributed to a solo for people under 50 years old is $53,000. And for people that are 50 or older is 59000 And that's on a pre-tax basis, isn't that right? That's on a pre-tax basis, correct. So you'd, you'd get, uh, you would report that much less, 53000 less in income um, to the state and federal government that year, correct? That's correct. And then it grows tax deferred until you take it in, re- in retirement or after age 15 and a half without penalty. Um, and then can you match yourself as well? Um, it, it, there's no match. There's no match for a solo, but there are, there are other benefits. Number one, a person can actually borrow money um, up to $50,000, depending on the size of the account from their solo. Um, there's another very, very powerful benefit for those people. I mean, we find in general that the number one reason people use self-direction is for some real estate-related investments. Um, and I spoke you know, briefly, I mentioned the UDFI tax um, for real estate that's purchased uh, where profits are generated um, through leverage. Um, there is no UDFI on leverage, uh, you know, on real estate that's, uh, that generates profits through le- leverage in a solo. So there are other benefits as well for those that are eligible for it. So just to be clear, what you're saying is somebody in some self-employed business can set up one of these solo 401k accounts and typically buy rental real estate with it, have the rents go in, and then buy more rental real estate with it. That's typically what it would be used for. Is that right? That, that's correct. Um, the structure of a solo, though, and the self-direction side is quite different um, from that of an IRA. I had mentioned that an IRA requires a custodian. Um, a solo 401k does not. Um, so setting up a solo is extremely easy. You know, all that's we create a trust, um, and it's it, we have an IRS-approved plan where a trust is created, which that becomes your investment vehicle. Um, a bank account is set up, a checking account is set up for that trust, and you're basically good to go. You can now invest in anything that the IRS permits you to invest in. So uh, most people use it for rental real estate, but you could use it for stocks oh, or options or ab- gold or ab- anything Absolutely. Else. You, you can use it for traditional investments. Again, you know, private placements are quite popular. Precious metals are popular. Um, you know, what we're finding also is that um, actual... As I mentioned earlier, you know, individual businesses where people have a certain comfort level and they feel that they understand those businesses to make investments in some of those smaller private businesses as well. So you can take a partner ownership in a private business, which is illiquid, but keep it inside your solo 401k as well. Yes, you can. Yeah. Now, so you say real estate is, is one of the major assets that people want to do. What are some ways that people invest in uh, these self-directed IRAs in real estate? It, it really it runs the gamut from people will call up and they'll say that there's a property you know on their block or in their neighborhood and they think that you know it has good value and they want to buy it and rent it out. Um, you have those people that may want to just buy it because they think they can turn it around you know in a short period of time and sell it. They may not rent it out. Um, for those people who are accredited investors and may be investing you know within some type of a hedge fund or some some other uh, private placement that invests in real estate. Um, it really runs the gamut. You know, sometimes you'll have some people who say, you know what, I think the uh, the condo market may be very attractive in a particular area that ultimately they would want to retire uh, to, and they want to buy that condo, rent it out to someone with an idea that when they're ready to retire, um, they're going to take that condo as a distribution. So I see, then they can live it. If they can't live in it while it's in the IRA, it has to be right. rental. But afterwards, 
They literally could take the condo as a distribution and then live in it. They, they absolutely, and uh, you know that's certainly a, a very popular re- you know reason that people will you know very often they'll buy real estate you know where maybe the primary reason uh, may be you know because they think there's good value and they can get a good rental, but in the back of their minds they're actually looking at that property you know down the road to to use as as a retirement home. The, the rules are you can't live in it or use it more than fourteen days a year. Is that correct? That's correct. It's so it, and it's. And, and, and again, it's not just the person, as I mentioned before. It, it's any parents or children as well would be uh, prohibited from being there, from using it. And how about foreign property? People think of like Costa Rica or someplace where they may want to retire eventually, but they think it's a good value. Is that sure. a good place, to, something to, to put in your uh, self-directed IRA? I'm certainly not advocating buying, you know, I, I don't know anything about the Costa Rican real estate market, but absolutely, if a person wanted to retire there and, and they... Uh, it's a place that they feel comfortable investing in, would like to ultimately live in. That would be a perfect investment. Yeah. So um, then another asset that's used all the time is gold and precious metals. Uh, why would one want to keep uh, physical gold uh, inside a self-directed IRA? You know, there are people, and I, you know, that do want to. They want to buy you know, certain, let's say, generic. Uh, more liquid gold, co- you know, gold coins. It could be American eagles or, or what have you, and they want to, but they they don't want to have the hassle of e- either. They don't want a third party holding it, or they want to have access to it, and they don't want you know, and, and they want to have access to it whenever it is that they want. Um, so this again, it enables them to be able to buy those coins, keep it in the safe deposit box, have the access that they want to you know to it, given the, to the extent that they want uh, that, just to have that uh, that comfortable feeling. That they know that you know that particular asset class is available to them, and it, they're not going to have to go through a third party, and not to have to deal with any bureaucracy to be able to access it. So, for those people, they can certainly uh, use their self-directed funds to be able to purchase those coins. So, explain how that works now. So, say you buy some coins, you put in your IRA. You just can't kind of keep that around your house. You have to no, have it. No, no. Well, first of all, keep in mind that you have to buy those coins in the name of the LLC. In the case of yes. an IRA, a self-directed IRA or in the name of a trust in the case of the solo 401k. So it's bought in the name of the appropriate um, entity for the solo 401k or for the IRA. And then typically we would always advise them, you know, if they're not going to use a third party, to use a safe deposit box in the name of the LLC or the trust at a bank. So if you, you can't just, like, take, go to the bank, take these, these uh, coins out, that would be considered a distribution, right? Oh, absolutely. You, couldn't, you wouldn't be able to take it for the purpose of your personal use. It's more for people who... Uh, you know, for whatever reason, they may feel that, you know, it's a hedge, whether it's a hedge against inflation or they're concerned about world events and they want to have a certain amount of, of gold or what have you, and they want it to be accessible to them. Um, you know, for those people, it would be appropriate. And how does the checkbook control relate to the gold? Because, I mean, gold is not liquid. You're not writing checks on your gold. How does that relate to it? Well, it, it's only related to the extent that using the checkbook control model, it would enable you to hold it in the safe deposit box as opposed to have to use a third party. And then you're, you're paying the safe deposit fees uh, through the checkbook? Is that the idea? Well, yeah, for, or for those people that just don't feel comfortable having a sizable investment sitting with some third party where... Um, maybe they just feel more comfortable knowing that they're ultimately the ones that, you know, it's under their control as opposed to the control of some third party. I see. Okay. So let, let's get into the, what are called prohibited transactions. We talked about a little bit where you can't live in the house or, or um, rent it to your kids or, or parents. What are some of the other prohibited transactions related to self-directed IRAs? Sure. So some of the other prohibited transactions would be things for, for example, if let's say, 
um, a prohibited party, which again is, is myself, my spouse, a parent, or a child. Um, and, and let's say they, that there's a business um, which is owned uh, by, my, by my daughter. And if she owns 50% more of the business, so that's a business I would not be able to invest in. What is the reason for this, by the way? Why does the IRS want these prohibited transactions? Uh, that's a very, I think you're way beyond my pay grade there, Jordan. <laughs> to figure out, you know, the IRS, uh, I, I, the only thing I could think of is, I guess they just want to protect um, people's retirement funds that, it, to the extent that people aren't going to be doing things maybe out of duress, where they're not really using it, for, they're not really going to end up saving money, which is the intention, and they're just going to be using it as a vehicle, you know, for the the immediate needs that their family members may have. I mean, again, it, it's just that's guesswork on my part. That mm-hmm. you know, they just want to make sure that the the, the primary goal is really long term savings as opposed to short term uh, familial help. Okay, so the disqualified people are any relatives, parents, not child, any relatives. No, a sibling, for example, would be fine. You could lend money to your brother or sister; that would be fine. I see. It's but a linear, as you call it, it would be basically you know your spouse, a parent, uh, you know, or a spouse of a parent, in the case of uh, a step parent or what have you, and a child and and their and their spouse. And if you violate this, if you do make a prohibited transaction, what are the penalties involved? Well, the penalties could literally be that, you know, the IRS could just say that you're, you're, you're in a sense, that your, your entire IRA account um, is disallowed, and you'd have to pay the, the penalties as if you took the entire IRA as a distribution, as an early distribution. So you're talking about the 10% penalty that a person takes, et cetera, et cetera. So any penalties that you could be subject to for early withdrawal could be triggered immediately. I mean, the consequences would really, you know, would be, would be quite severe. The good news is, again, it's not the, the rules are very simple, you know, for the most part. And, you know, we're here for those you know, types of transactions that may be a little more complicated. Sometimes there is a level of complexity, which is, you know, why we use, uh, you know, two of the top ERISA law firms in the country, because, you know, there are those rare occasions where you really have to make sure that everything is, you know, is, is, has been gone over and, uh, um, you know, the law firm has a level of comfort with, with a particular structure. So there's a fine line between managing an asset, which is okay, or doing active work, which is not doing okay. Uh, explain the difference between those two. Well, you can do active work. You're talking about, let's say, in the case of real estate? Yes. Um, right. Okay, so in the case of real estate, let's say I buy, I buy a two-family house and, you know, and I rent it out to two people that are permitted. They're not, they're not parents or children or what have you. And that's certainly okay. Now the question becomes, um, you know, there's some work that has to be done, and there's got to be an arm's-length relationship that I have to that asset, as you just alluded to. So the basic rule of thumb, you know, which, which are the, the, the guidance that we've been given by our, our attorneys is, if you're not doing something that's adding value, you know, I just have to go, there's a light bulb that needs changing, to use an extreme example. You know, it's not adding a penny's worth of, of value to the property. So I don't have to use a third party to go in and, and, and change the light bulbs. If, on the other hand, you're clearly adding value, you know, you, you have to replace a roof or it's your, 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 you're redoing a bathroom or a kitchen or what have you, there you have to use a contractor, a third-party contractor. I see. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Brian Finkelstein. He's the CEO at uh, Broad Financial, which is based in Spring Valley, Rockland County, New York an expert on the whole area of solo 401ks and self-directed IRAs. We'll be back after this.
From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What does conscious leadership mean to you? It unites organizations instead of dividing them. By exploring commonly based business challenges, it guarantees an increase in your bottom line. Tune in to Minding Our Business, Creating a Spiritual Economy with your host, Nadine Rogers. Each week, we'll hear from business leaders and learn from their strategies. We'll talk about personal and organizational best practices that you can learn from, and we'll hear from you. Minding Our Business airs live Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Brian Finkelstein. He's the CEO at Broad Financial, which is a company helping people with self-directed IRAs and 401ks. Welcome back to the show, Brian. Thank you, Jordan. People often get a little bit confused between the difference between pre-tax money going in with a 401k, tax deferred in a regular IRA, traditional IRA, and uh, tax-free growth in a Roth IRA. Kind of just describe the difference between those and why you'd want to have money in one as opposed to the other of those? Sure. Um, typically, a pre-tax contribution is money that I haven't yet paid taxes on. And um, I'm investing that, I'm taking that money and, and essentially earmarking it for some type of a, a retirement vehicle, whether it's a 401k or whether it's an IRA or what have you. Um, and then taxes are going to be paid after I start taking distributions after retirement. Um, as opposed to a tax-deferred type of investment or the case of a Roth where taxes have been paid, now I have the opportunity to put money into an investment using a, a Roth vehicle where now the money is going to be growing, um, essentially taxed. It, it, the money has already been taxed, and now it's going to be growing tax-deferred. I'm not paying taxes as that money is growing. When was it makes sense to convert from a traditional uh, IRA where it's tax-deferred into a Roth where it's tax-free, because you're going to have to pay a conversion tax, but then going forward, it's tax-free. What does that make Correct. sense to do? Well, I would say the number one reason a person would do it would be, really be their outlook in, in terms of where they're going to be from a tax bracket perspective um, when they retire and where they are now. 
So obviously, if a person thinks that you know when they're going to be retiring, whatever that's going to be, they're going to be in a substantially lower bracket. Um, they're better off waiting. Let let the money accrue. Tax, you know, as as the money is growing, um, and you know, essentially paying the paying the piper, if you will. You know, when they're going to be in a substantially lower bracket. Sometimes a person could be in a situation that they may have a fairly consistent type of business, and all of a sudden they had one very very bad year. Um, their bracket now lowers substantially, and they think you know now would be a good time you know to move things over because the ultimately the tax uh, the tax bill is going to be you know relatively low. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that makes make sense. Uh, but in the long run, one of the advantages of the Roth IRA is you don't have the required minimum distributions at age seventy and a half, which you do with the other IRAs. Correct. That's that's correct. And also for estate planning purposes, when you die with a traditional IRA. You have to pay tax, whereas it can roll over tax-free to your kids with a Roth. That's correct. So those are some pretty big advantages for the Roth IRA. So are a lot of the self-directed IRAs you have are Roth IRAs? It could be structured either way, absolutely. Yeah. You know, the, the other thing that I would mention is that the um, as far as the, the R&Ds, the requirement of minimum distributions, again, that would not apply. That would apply to the IRA and not to the solo 401k. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's give some examples. Um, and again, people can find out more about what you're offering at broadfinancial.com. Give some actual examples, maybe some unusual things of the way people have used these solo 401ks and self-directed IRAs uh, in, in putting various assets in there that they wouldn't have been able to do with a traditional custodian. Yeah, so we have really found what, you know, it, it a lot of... Um you know, very often what really triggered people to get involved in self-direction um, was when they started really looking at their portfolio more carefully and they just saw to what extent, um, you know, they had concentration risk. You know, when they see that, you know, um, uh, the concentration risk very, very often is in the world of equities, um, you know, that very often would push them to try to do something that was a bit more diverse. Or very often when they would have bond portfolios, bonds would start rolling off and there was just nothing to reinvest in that had any returns whatsoever. So we found many people had started investing in businesses that they had worked in, for example, um, and they felt that they had an insider you know, inside knowledge of how certain businesses could be run effectively. And when they, you know, met a group of people that may be starting a certain business that, you know, they were comfortable with how it was going to be managed and what their overall strategy was, um, you know, very, very often people felt very, very comfortable getting involved in businesses that they could actually touch, you know, and feel and, and feel uh, very comfortable with how, it was, how their money was being deployed. You know, I think I mentioned the number one uh, asset class that people invest in using self-direction is, is definitely real estate or real estate-related pro- products. But even within the world of real estate, it's so diverse. You have people who may be focusing on on development, um, other people that may be you know interested more of you know in looking at strategically at various pockets of of activity in the country to see areas that they think are poised to to go up in value. Um, some people kind of get to the the real estate. Um, had take their real estate exposure through tax liens. Uh, people that don't mm-hmm. pay real estate taxes and, and, and liens are created and, and those liens are, are sold at auction by many municipalities. So there's really been a whole array of, of ways that people will um, use the self use, use self direction, you know, to, uh, to, to to broaden their portfolios. But we hear often, very often, is after people set up the plan, all of a sudden, you know, they'll say, "Well, opportunities were there that they never actually noticed before because they felt that they were locked in, that they were precluded from getting involved in things." So, uh, a person who may have used some of their retirement funds uh, to make a very conservative second mortgage loan, 
So they never would have been looking for that kind of investment um, until they set up the plan and they knew that they really had the, the opportunity to, to, to broaden what it was that they were going to be investing in. Do you suggest investments to your clients, or you no. act only as custodian? No, we, we just act, you know, we, 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 we try to facilitate um, and help them attain, you know, get involved in the investments that they want to get involved in. So whether it's checkbook control or, or whether it's the traditional custodial model, uh, we're just there to facilitate. We don't recommend any investments. We get asked all the time um, from people who sponsor investments, and they want us to get involved in joint marketing, and we recommend mm-hmm. them, and they'll recommend us, and we always uh, steer clear from that. Mm-hmm. So if people have a self-directed account with you, and they've got some cash in there, they can ask you, you know, have you got some suggestions and you're not going to be able to help them there? Exactly, exactly. The only thing that we will make a suggestion is if they're not sure which model, whether the which self-directed model uh, to pursue, then we'll ask you know, what they plan on using it for. So depending on the answer, you know, that will hopefully give us the ability to give them insight whether the self-directed, the traditional model or the checkbook control model is going to be most suitable for them. But we certainly aren't going to invest in, we're not going to get involved in recommending any investments. So as far as investing in private business, the other way to do it would be through venture capital or today crowdfunding. Could you use a Kickstarter account and, and put that on your self-directed IRA? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, sure. So the idea of that is that you're, you're, you're getting in pretty early. And then you know, say you got Facebook when it was a private company or something, and then it has a massive gain. All of that growth would be tax-deferred or tax-free as opposed to having a huge tax. That's and that would correct. happen. So is that something you would recommend as a way to invest in uh, private companies and venture capital? If that's what a person wants to do, yes, that would be an effective way to get into that market. Very good. So it's really very, so basically you're saying real estate is the majority of it, precious metals, private, uh, and then you can also do traditional uh, stocks, bonds, mutual funds. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's not only alternative investments that you can put in these things. That's correct. And then uh, another area would be hedge funds. Is that something where... Yeah, uh, I mean, the entire, whether it's, you know, hedge funds or any other type of private placements, you know, private equity funds um, or what have you, as you had mentioned, you know, early on, I mean, typically the person's going to have to be an accredited investor to be able to make that investment. But if they are, uh, then, you know, having the ability to earmark some of your retirement funds for those investments is, is something which works very well for a lot of people. Yeah. All right, well, just kind of sum up as we have about a minute or so to go, what difference it can make in people's financial lives to make use of uh, self-directed IRAs and solo 401ks compared to using only the traditional model? Uh, you know, I guess in a nutshell, it gives them the ability to attain a much higher level of diversification and to pursue those types of investments that they understand best. And a lot of people uh, are, don't feel restricted by just whatever your traditional IRA custodian is offering. It opens up a whole other world that most people don't even know exists, actually. That's correct. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest uh, this hour has been Brian Finkelstein. Uh, he's the CEO at Broad Financial, which is a company based in Spring Valley, which is in Rockland County, New York. Uh, you can find out more about what he's offering in self-directed IRAs and solo 401ks at his website, which is broadfinancial.com. Thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Thank Answer Show. Thank you for having me. Thanks again, and we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.